Thank you, Lord. Father, we come before you to stand in your presence, rejoice in the knowledge of who you are, and to celebrate the victory you provided in our lives. Thank you, Father. Father, we want to know and understand more than we've ever known before what it's truly like to be a servant and a child of Jesus Christ. Open up our eyes and our hearts to come out of our complacentness and come out of our lack of faith and trust and understanding. Come out of ourselves. Take our thoughts, minds, and everything off of us so we can focus on you. When we focus on you, then we will be okay. But focusing on ourselves, we are not able to fix it, change it, rearrange it, increase it, decrease it. Well, yeah, we can decrease it with our negative thoughts, but we can't do any good thing. But when we put our focus on you, Father, you're able to cause us to rise above the situations, to soar like eagles. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. So, Father, we look forward to what you have prepared for us so that we can dine sufficiently and become not only a hearer of the word, but the doer of a word as well. And I ask you, Lord, to continue to show me the things you want me to see. So when I speak, Master, it will be only those things you want me to say. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. 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 Praise the Lord. We um, are in Colossians 3, but I didn't finish what I had actually prepared for us last week, so I'm going to pick up on that and, and then continue to, to uh, go forth. So this, the title today is... It's actually part two of You Are Above and Not Beneath. Amen. Amen. And so uh, in Colossians 3, beginning with verse 8, he says, But now you also put off all, the, all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. Mm. There's so much rich stuff in these, in these verses. And have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond, nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do you. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in songs and hymns and spiritual songs, 
singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he have done and there is no respect of persons. Amen. Okay, so let's go back to verses 8 and 9. But now you're also put off all these, put off all these things, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. It says, now, now that you are saved, <laughs> see, because before then we couldn't do it, all right? You can do by the evidence of the cross. You're able to put off these things by the evidence of the cross, amen? <laughs> and so before accepting Jesus, we had no power or authority to resist the temptations. So... Now, when they pop up, you do have a way of escape, yes. Amen. you know, to escape it and not fall in, into that. Yes. Amen. Amen. Since the old man was all that a person was before salvation, his worldly thinking and sinful acts, all now which are uh, renounced because of the blood of Jesus. And our conversation, our conversation should change which I find it very difficult to accept, and God is trying to help me to get beyond that, that for believers, conversation to remain the same as it was before you knew Christ from your own nature. When you're still talking the same talk and telling the same old jokes and living in the history of your life, because you can't accept the present time because the old things, some of those things have passed away and gone away because of time. But they should be passed away and gone away because of Jesus. Amen. And you're having a difficult time living in the present, which means it's going to halter where you want to go in, 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 in the future. So we should be thinking differently. Our conversation should be, should be changed. And, 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 and begins with us in order to be able to do what's right to the other person. Amen. So when it says, lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. It, see, if you're not lying to yourself, you won't be lying to other people. And your, your outward actions is not lining up with your mental thought, which means you're lying to other people. 
Amen. Amen. When I, as I'm read, reading all of this and studying this, if I had it to do all over again, my life would have been totally different. I'm not talking about right now. I'm talking about before Christ. <laughs> With the knowledge that I have now. You know, and if you don't think like that, this is probably why you're still doing some of the same old stuff because you st you're still getting joy out of what you used to do in a broken nature. And when I think back on the things that I'd done at that time that I thought was okay or even wonderful, but with this new nature, when I think back on it, I'm embarrassed. And I'm thinking about what all those wasted years, but thank God for his grace and mercy that I was not destroyed during that time. So he allowed me to enter into purpose. Hallelujah. And so the good news is because of God's mercies are new every morning and you are actually breathing today and converted you have a chance to live your life differently in Christ. Amen. And we get chances every day to do, to do this. So in 10 he says, And have put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Jesus is in the image of God who created him. And we are in the image of Jesus in our new creation in Christ. Amen. So in, it says to put on the new man, it says in Christ, we are a new creation. Wear that. Okay. And, and it's renewed day by day as we renew our understanding and the knowledge of who Christ is by the reading of the word. Yes. 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 Don't y'all know that that is a benefit? Yes. Yes. And it's our way out. It's our way of being successful as a Christian is that we can be renewed day by day. Our study and growth in Christ causes God to recreate us in the image of God. I'm going to repeat that then. <laughs> Our study and growth in Christ causes God to recreate us in the image of God. Amen. And so that's where our focus need to be, not on people and what they've said and, 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 and all of that. Because you know what? When we focus on those things and we let that be the defining factor about what we're going to do as far as serving God, that means you put yourself above him. Amen. That means you have put yourself above Christ. Because you're too concerned about how stuff has affected you. And then nine times out of ten, it's like little petty stuff that should not be interrupting your path and your journey. But that's what the enemy wants because he already knows what pushes your buttons. So he pushes that button to stop pro progression. You don't know how much further ahead spiritually you would have been if you hadn't fallen prey to that lying deceitful devil amen. amen so okay he goes on in, in uh, verse 11 and he says where there is neither Greek now see with God and then in the new creation of who who we are in, in in Jesus Christ he says there is neither Greek nor Jew circumcision 
nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond, nor free, but Christ is all in all. So it says, and with Christ, there's no one higher person, and there's no preference, and there's no one group better than the other group, and, 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 and there is no particular race higher than any other race. Amen. And with Christ, we're all the same. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And so we have to think the way Christ is thinking. See, because after Christ, we can all be made over by the fruit of his spirit. So it doesn't matter about your nationality. It doesn't matter about what you have done, uh, what kind of outward performance has been made on your physical being. It doesn't matter about any of those things uh, because we can be changed. In these different, different uh, names like the barbarian, it means it doesn't matter whether you are a rude person. <laughs> you can be changed over. Okay, and the and the Scythian it was was uh, was natives of Scythia in the Christian church, so they were a native of people that had come to Christianity and came to the church. But remember how the Jews were, you know, uh, they were the they were the chosen ones. They thought they were the only chosen ones. So when those other races of people would come, they saw them as being less than, and that's why they try to encourage them to be circumcised. Well, we live in that today. There's certain denominations that have certain beliefs, and if you don't follow that particular doctrine, you're less than, and you're not accepted as, as the beloved. And see, with Christ, those are not criterias. They don't even matter to him. See, he is always looking at our hearts. That outward stuff don't mean anything to him. He, he, we, he puts things at our charge based on the motive of your heart. Aren't you glad? Because there's sometimes we can do some, some things that are wrong out of just being stupid. It was, not a, it was not a heart intent at all. You know what I'm saying? And if, and if he judged us, judged us by that, we would have been doomed. But see, because of that, we get an opportunity to say, oh, God, forgive me. And then it's over. Amen? And just like how he forgives and wants, wants us to become part of the new image of God, then uh, the new man is, is, is to put to death the things of the old. And to put away man-made barriers that divide people and give life to the old nature. Because see, when we have these barriers of people, we're operating in a prejudice that comes from man and, and, and Satan, not from the Lord, amen? And so, and that was the point that he was making. He wasn't making a difference of, of, of people. He was making a difference between life and death, between sin and, and, and righteousness, between lies and truth. So he says, 12, put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness, and of mind and meekness and, and long suffering. So, so now if we got on the elect of God, we are to operate with the elective behavior towards other people, 
forbearing, verse, verse 13, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also. So as the elect, we are to elect to treat others the same way. Amen. Amen. And our redeemed life in Christ, he is everything and he is what matters the most. In Christ and in our new nature, there is no, there is no national ceremony, culture, or social distinctives. Yet we have conditioned our minds to accept and live in this world of wrong and, and, and of how they focus on things. Christians falling from faith due to sin and unbelief. We are living in a time right now that Christians have fallen from faith. Do you realize that? We got some who have totally fallen because of sin and unbelief. And then you got other Christians who's taking a stand for the left, but declaring that they are for Jesus. You can't take a stand for wrong morally and declare that you are a follower of Jesus Christ. And see, that's why I just have a whole issue with this whole political thing, because Jesus is neither Democrat, Republican, independent, libertarian. He isn't any of that garbage. And, and, and so we can't take a stand for anything that conflicts with his righteousness and conflicts with who he say we are and how we are to, how we are to operate, okay? And so all of these different things that is happening to uh, our community is the result of Christianity become, has now become the minority. So this is why he tells us in 13, forbearing one another and forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do you forgive. And so we don't have a choice. We have to. Now, let me tell you, I think our greatest struggle with that forgiveness thing is because you're not feeling it, okay? But you do know what's right and what's wrong, okay? So when the Lord convicts us, he's not saying, now, and as soon as you feel it, <laughs> I want you to do it. No, he's, he's telling us, forgive by faith. It's not about how you feel. Forgive by faith. And when you do an act of your will to do that, he then works the forgiveness in your heart. Amen. Isn't that good news? Because yeah. if it had to wait till I felt like I have forgiven you, we're both in trouble. So by faith, I can say I do it and, and, and walk according to what God is saying and let him work that into my heart. So he says, um, and above all these things, put on Charity, the word for that is love. Put on love, which is the bond of perfectness. And so that bond of perfectness um, is really means to become complete and whole. That's what it means. Because we, we, we cannot be perfected on this side of heaven. It only comes when Jesus comes, but we're to work towards it. So you become whole in Christ. That means I've let go of my problems, my strongholds, my issues in exchange for God's fruit. Yes. 
which makes me whole on, on this side. He tells us in um, 16, let the word of God dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in songs and hymns, spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. So, he's, so what we need to understand, singing and music is very important in the Christian life. This is why it should be spiritual because this is what causes God to move on our behalf and change in our souls. Now, I want you to just kind of think about how the route that we're taking now in our worship, in our music, compared to what we used to do. So, so many people are accustomed and want to be entertained. So I guess when that section and that part uh, was uh, taken out, it may have discouraged some people um, to not come back. But the rest of us have been experiencing such deliverance, yes. such eye-opening, yes. okay, because there's been pure worship. Yes. You know, I cannot forget when I saw on TV where um, they showed uh, the film from um, Hillsong's Church had did, had did a, uh, a, a production or something on uh, Silent Night of all songs, Silent Night. When I just hear that, I think of how sacred it is. Well, they did a production on that where it was like you were at a club and they upbeated it and, and, and the people that was, that was, I don't dare say worshiping, who were performing, which represents praisers and worshipers, came out with, um, uh, with an outfit to dress that came to here, you know, that, like that mini stuff, and it was tight, and the guys had on a, like a tux suit type kind of thing, and so they were dancing, they were, they were actually performing. Now, I don't even know how you can get an upbeat performance on Solid Night, <laughs> first of all, okay? But they, they fixed it, they twisted and turned it, okay? And it was like the what's happening kind of event. And listening to it, you either felt, if you are really truly born again, you felt grieved and heartbroken. But if you're just a churchgoer, you wanted to party. It's going to arouse one to the other, all right? So, so he says, okay, you've seen enough of this. Let's, he said, cut this mess off because he was so disturbed by it. So he says, okay. So he told their uh, team, begin to, pray, uh, to play worship music. When they begin to play the worship music, I want to show you such the diverse difference we were people, not only the people on TV, but I was in tears. It was so blessed to show you the vast difference between worshiping in spirit and in truth than just performing with gospel or spiritual songs. It's the heart that makes the difference. It's the motive that makes the difference. You follow what I'm saying? 
They had a holy song that they turned and perverted it. And it, and it did nothing to you to recognize and to see the goodness of the Lord. And then the other group did just the reverse and you could feel the presence of the anointing and people crying out and everything. It makes a difference. That shows you just how important music is in the body of Christ. What we don't understand that God operates by a rhythm. Okay, he has a rhythm, a timing for certain sounds, and, and what those sounds indicate the work that he's getting ready to do. Why do you think David was so successful, even though he sinned? Because he loved the Lord so, and he played unto the Lord, and that music cast out demons. It, it caused people to worship. It called people to humble and to confess and to repent. That's what Christian music is supposed to do. Amen. And so it will uplift us. It will convict us. Uh, it, it, it will motivate us. It will cause us to operate in the anointing. It will cause the prophetic to flow. It will cause healing, deliverance, change. It will cause all, all of that. Amen? Amen. Okay. Um, so, all right. I said I was gonna, for the sake of time, I'm going to go on to um, verses 19 through 25. But let me read what I had written before I get to that part. I said, we have learned from verses 1 and 5 and chapter 3 that Paul, like what Jesus prayed in John 17, counseled the church on not worldlessness or withdrawal, but instead holiness in the world. Remember Jesus' prayer in John 17 says, don't take them out of the world, but keep them, but glorify them in the world so that they can do the necessary changes in the work that is necessary in the world. This is what, what Paul is saying to the church. I want you to recognize who you are in Christ, be that and do that so that when you can go in the world, you can change the world and not the world change you. Amen. See, that's a much greater challenge because just like Jesus, we will become enemies to the world and carnal thinking Christians. That's why there's such a great divide right now. Okay? The things you say that line up with, with true biblical thinking will seem like foolishness to the carnal thinking man. As Corinthians quote, okay, to a natural man, Jesus should have rode in like a warrior and kill and destroy the enemies. But instead, he humbly came before men to promote love, sacrifice, and justice, something we humans are still struggling with in our world today. Simply because we who are separate, separated from the world by the blood of Jesus, having received the message in our hearts to stand out, stand apart, to make a difference. We love our lives too much, forgetting that our lives as believers belong to the Lord. Okay, amen. Okay, um, let's go over to Matthew 10, and I'm going to labor there. And we're going to begin at verse 16 through... 
42. Okay, Matthew 10, beginning at verse 16. And now know that this is in red, so Jesus is the one who's doing the talking. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves, but you therefore be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Be in tune and aware, but be innocent. That's what he's saying. Be in tune and be aware of your surroundings and what you're going into so you don't become like it. Amen. Stay innocent. But be aware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils and they will scourge you in their synagogues. See, these men are evil men who are being controlled by the power of Satan. And because you come with the truth, in a righteous stand, you're going to be served up to these men. Okay, and they're going to lay a charge against you. He says, and you should be brought before governors and kings for my sake, for a testimony. Now, King James says against, but it means to them and the Gentiles. Let me read that again. You shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake. That represents people who are in high places and authority, governors and kings, okay? For a testimony to them and the Gentiles. The Gentiles are unbelievers, okay? So what is he saying? You don't fall in line with what they are putting out there in your universe, because of their position, you are to stand with my truth and be a testimony to them about the difference. This is why we can't get beyond where we are right now because the body of Christ is in bed with the majority of the world and the government. And he says, I want you to stand and make a difference. He says, but when they deliver you up, take no thought. Do not worry how or what you should speak. Why? He says, for it should be given you at that same hour what you should speak. Don't worry. You don't have to plan it and be, it, be prepared in advance. You, you are prepared when you know who you are in him and you go in his spirit and in his name and not in your power. For then what needs to be said would come out. Amen. For it is not you that speak, but the spirit of your father which speaketh in you. He will speak in and through you when you trust him, when you lean on him, and when you depend on him. But if you're more consumed about how you're going to be perceived and what they're thinking about you, it's not going to work. Amen. He says... And the brother should deliver up the brother. This is the result of the difference between right and, 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 and unrighteousness. Between light and dark. This is what's going to happen. And the brother should deliver up the brother to death. And the father the child. And the children should rise up against their parents and cause them to, to be put to death. And you should be hated of all men for my namesake. But he that endureth to the end shall be saved. See, we're, our salvation is only what it affords me right now. Mm -mm. No, we're supposed to be looking ahead. The salvation doesn't end because why? As saved people, when this physical body go, that's not the end of you. 
<laughs> That's not the end of you. Your soul is gone on to heaven to live on waiting for the new body that you're going to get. The new glorified body that you're going to get. So that's why you can't look at what you're getting presently now. How you feel. How somebody is treating you presently now. Because you will forfeit eternity for a moment's pleasure. When we got our whole future ahead of us. And you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endureth to the end shall be saved. But when they persecute you in this city, flee ye into another. Don't let it be the end like, well, they ain't going to receive me. No, go to the next city. Okay. <laughs> glory, glory, glory. For verily I say unto you, you shall not have gone through uh, and it says gone over, but gone through the cities of Israel to the son of man become. And uh, he was talking to his disciples then. But to us, we will not have covered the world until the son comes back. So we have an obligation to get the message out there to unbelievers. He says, for the disciple is not above his master, which means teacher. We are not above Jesus Christ, who is our teacher. Amen nor the servant above his Lord. So we cannot be above, we cannot be above God and above Jesus Christ, but yet we do because we do it our way, the way we want, when we want, or we don't do it at all. Amen. He said, it is not enough for the disciple that he be as his master or his teacher and the servant as his Lord. If they have called the man of the house Bezalbub, how much more shall they call them of his household? If their calling was righteous, Satan, how much more glory will they call the real Bezabal? Okay. He says, fear them not, therefore, for there is nothing. If they don't have sense enough to know righteousness before they face why are you worried about what they're going to do to you? Because they don't have but so much power. And up against the one who's in you, they have none. But why? Because they may take your, your life, the body, but they can't do nothing with your soul. Hallelujah, Jesus. And, and like Paul said, to live to get is gain, to die is gain when you're doing it in Christ. Amen. Amen. Glory. That's why you have to turn a loose, turn away, separate from this life. We're too caught up in our feelings. That's life here. Caught up in our feelings that we don't have a clue about what's going on in the spiritual realm. Because you can't know what's going on in the spiritual realm when you focus in the natural all the time. And, and, and when we're all concerned about my feelings, then you are in the natural. You cannot understand what's going on in the heavenlies. And God says, when we to be on this earth is to take dominion. You can't take dominion over natural things with a natural mind. Amen. You have to have a spiritual mind to take dominion over natural things. It is not enough for the disciple to be as his master. And the servant as his Lord, if they have called the master of the house Bezalel, how much more shall they call them of his household? 
Fear them not therefore, for there is nothing veiled. That's what that word covered means. There is nothing veiled that shall not be revealed and hid that shall not be known. You can't cover, but for so long, baby, it's going to be revealed and unmasked. Amen. What I tell you in darkness that speaks ye in light and what you hear in the ear that preach ye upon the housetops and fear not them which kill the body. Oh my God. What I tell you in darkness that speaks in the light. In other words, in your private quiet time, God speaks things to us that brings light when you speak it out in the open. And, and what you are hearing in your ear, he says, preach that to the housetop. Back in, the, in, 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 in those days, they had um, houses were close together and they had a porch top that they would go out. And so if they go out and speak loud enough that everybody around the area could hear it. And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear which is able to destroy both soul and body. Who you need to be fearing is the Lord, who has power over our whole total being. Amen. Man may be able to kill this body, but he cannot take the soul away. And it lives on eternally. And so I'm more concerned about my soul than I am my physical body. Are not two sparrows sold for fathering, fathering, and one of them shall not fall on the ground without your, without your father, which means our heavenly father. Okay, he has the control of a sparrow. He says, but the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not, therefore, you are more valuable than many, than many sparrows. He's talking to just one of us is more valuable than many sparrows. Amen. Whosoever, therefore, shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father, which is in heaven. So when you... Which really means when you are sold out and you're living for him, and, and, and like Paul, you say, for, for Christ I'll live and, and for Christ I'll die, then what he is saying then, I'm constantly uh, uh, interceding for you to the Father on your behalf. So he's covering you. He's protecting you. He's taking care of your needs and your wants because you're too busy out serving him, letting everybody else know about who he is. But you know what? We're so shallow that all we think about is our own little stuff. And we don't think about none of the things of God because we're too consumed about how I feel and what they done and what she said and all of that. And missing the boat. It's because it's all about him. And I'm, I, I, I'm led to always keep stressing this because of the age that we're in right now. And we are mo much closer to the return of Jesus than ever before. We need to be thinking like that, not thinking that you got a whole bunch of time ahead of you. Well, if you ain't doing nothing with it, what are you going to say when he comes? And he's going to ask you, what did you do about Jesus? Who did you tell about Jesus? Okay, let me continue on. 32, whosoever therefore should confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father, which is in heaven. But whosoever should deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father, which is in heaven. That covenant connection that you had is broken. There's no more covering. 
That's what he means when he says, I'll deny you before my father. I won't be covering you. Because he ain't going to no mess with you. The only time he goes and mess with us is that we're going in there with the intention of declaring Jesus Christ. Not because you're in the mess and you're part of the mess. He says, think not that I've come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. He came for his word to divide what is evil and wicked from that that is right. Okay? This is why there's going to be a great variance in the household. Because his word is going to make the difference. He says, I come to separate and to divide. For I've come to set a man at variance against his father and the daughter against her mother. Are y'all listening? And the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And not for natural reason. It's for spiritual reason. It's because light and dark cannot cohabitate. One is going to cover the other. Okay? And a man's foe should be they of his own household. Your greatest problem is going to be what's in your household. That's why he told them in Pentecost to, to do the work in Jerusalem in your home first before you go abroad. Amen. Okay? He says, um, he that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And we do that. We put human beings all ahead of God. We put relationships far ahead of God. We think more of them than we do of our relationship with the Lord because you don't want them to be angry with you. You don't want them to be at odds with you. You want them always to be happy, satisfied, and at peace. Let me tell you, if they're not at peace with you and you are supposed to be in harmony, that means somebody is operating in darkness. Somebody is out of order. And you're not supposed to be in peace with the opposite. You got to stand for what's right no matter who the person is. If that person has a hell, heaven or hell to put you in, okay. If that person died on the cross and shed their blood for you, okay. But if they haven't done any of those things, if that person has a Holy Spirit that they can release from them to give to you, Okay, since they don't have that, then you need to let them go and pray for them till they wake up and come into the understanding of who Jesus is. Don't let relationships send your soul to hell. He says, 38, he that he that taketh not his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. And let me tell you, your cross is not problematic family members. That's not the cross. That's the result of your choices, your disobedience, your uh, 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 dysfunctionalism. Okay? The cross is ministry. It's ministry. So pick up the ministry and follow after him. He says, and if you don't do that, you're not worthy of me. Amen. He that findeth his life shall lose it. That means who, who you're so focused and conscious about how you feel now. You just lost your life. 
but he that loses his life for my sake shall find it. Means when you decide to give it all over to God, to forget about you and your feelings, you just gain life. Amen. And you've gained it for eternity. Yes. Let me tell you, it, it's like, God help me to make this where it's understandable. God created you. Are y'all in agreement with that? Yeah. He created you. And it said he formed you in the image of the Trinity. God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay? And you then are going to allow another one of his creations become your idol of worship. And define what you're supposed to do, when you're supposed to do it, and how you're supposed to do it. But they didn't have nothing to do with your creation. They don't have a clue about how you're supposed to think, what you're supposed to do, where you're going. None of that. I don't care if you birth that person in the world. You don't have a clue what God's plans are for that person until you ask God. We are just stewards over other human beings. God did not make you all-knowing, all-perfect, everywhere. He made you a steward. When he made you a steward and, he, and created you into his image and a new creation in him, what he wants you to do is to take what he gives you and what you learn from here to help guide those others to where they need to go in him. Not to tell them how they're to function and where they're going to go. You don't know. Amen. What you're supposed to do is magnify the Lord in their sight. Glorify his presence in their sight. It says, for he that receiveth you receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. Why? Because the Father and the Son are one. When we accepted Jesus Christ, we became one with them. Amen. Amen. He that receiveth a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he that receiveth a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man reward. And whosoever should give to drink to one of these little ones or a cup of cold water only in the name of a disciple, verily I say unto you, he shall in no wise lose his reward. Now, we need to understand this a little bit better, okay? Because don't go out and start trying to serve a prophet. And don't come here trying to make all over me. Because you got the wrong understanding of this scripture. Because that's not what it's talking about. Okay. He's, he's, he's talking about when you receive the word and the truth. You're going to receive the same kind of reward that that person in their obedience is getting. As a result of doing what God told them to do. Okay. And when he says when you give a drink to one of these little ones. He's not talking about children. He's talking about that somebody that's in, in, in our midst that is down and out and needs something. Yeah. Amen. Amen. He says, well, and so when you do, so when, when you're doing what's right out of the motive of doing what's, what's right, you will receive the reward of righteousness because you are operating out of the spirit of the living God, not out of a church function. A church mentality where you're doing works 
and acts. See, that's where our issues are lying because we don't have a clue about who our Savior is, which means you don't know who you are. You can't possibly know who you are if you don't know the one who created you first and now who have saved you. He created you originally to be something that we have strayed away from. Then he gives us another chance and he allow us to be recreated in the newness of him by accepting his blood through faith so he can mold us into what he originally created us for in the first place. So we've been given another chance. You don't mess that chance up trying to stay focused in a natural form of life. Why? Because this natural form of life that we're actually living in, it's not his original plan. That wasn't what he originally planned and created. Okay? So it's broken. So as a result, what he did, you see, when Adam and Eve sinned, they didn't bring correction. They never said, forgive me, for I have sinned. What they brought was brokenness into the world. So that's why God had to send another Adam, and his name is called Jesus. So he had to send a second Adam to give us a way out of this brokenness while we live in it. And so this is why the name of the game is what you can comprehend and understand concerning the newness that you have become rather than railing and dwelling in the old stuff of a flesh that was broken and sinful when it entered into this world. That's why the Bible tells us in Revelation, you have overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. What is your testimony? Don't talk about what you see through these as a natural fact, but talk about what you perceive from this because of the blood that connected you to the life that is in that book. So your talk is supposed to be contrary to the natural way of thinking, to natural people, and you're supposed to walk in what you talk. Because the more you hear it, faith cometh. Whether you're hearing it from your vocal or from somebody else's. That's why we have to constantly say it. Because your faith can't be increased once or twice a week. It has to be a constant thing. So you have to hear yourself say it. To become changed. You're not going to become changed because you just happen to sit up under a pastor. And the only time you hear the word or open the book is when you're in service or in the class. It's a working, a working salvation. So you have to be in it and you have to repeat it and say it to yourself so that you will become a believer. That's how, go, go back over to Colossians. That's how we become uh, more into his image. When he talks about in the newness of things. That's how you become in the newness of who, of, of who we are created in Christ. Because we gain in, in Colossians 3 verse 10. Because we are gaining knowledge. 
and daily, often, we're gaining knowledge, and that knowledge puts us in the understanding of the image of who Jesus is that we have taken on. So, just saying, well, I'm saved, and you think you arrived? That was the door opener. And often, by our thoughts, our actions, and our words, we shut the door, and Jesus is on the other side of the door knocking to get in. We have much work to do yes. on us. Yes. On us. Yes. We need to ask God, I want to think like you. Yes. I want to talk like you. I want to walk like you. Yes. Instead of always crying and pleading about your cause because of the mess and the hell that you're in and what people are doing to you. Don't you know that the sooner we can get into him, we can actually rise above the dumb stuff? Yes. And you didn't need to feel sorry for those people because you'll be beyond that stuff and get over it. But, 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 but based, based on what they're doing or trying to do to you, they send their souls to hell. Yes. So you're in a better position than they are. Amen. They think that they have you in captivity or they've done something wrong to you. No, mm-mm. Why? Because in Christ, <laughs> glory, I can rise above your mess. In Christ, it don't have to, it won't put me in captivity unless I choose to go in captivity. So while you're doing your thing, let me go and pray for you so that your soul don't go to hell. Because you're going to suffer. You're going to suffer. Okay, I'm going to, what I'm going to do, I'm just going to. Uh, read my notes up to 18 and I'll go back to the scripture read that and then read continue reading these notes because these were some notes I came up with after I had prepared now because if we go back to verse 10 and, and I'm not going to read it again but you know it's talking about how we have put on a new man man's recreated self is therefore after the image of Christ so if, if you're after the image of Christ there is work that you have to do to keep on to go into and to flow in the image of Christ you just don't have operate in the image of Christ because you're saved amen. Amen? amen okay and then in 11 uh, um, the note that I had is that in Christ there is no distinction there's no distinction between cultural race religion and any of that Every person in God's sight is the same and is equal. And he is, in, in whatever you do wrong, you're going to get due justice for that because he's no perspective of person. Amen. Contrary to human beings. Okay? And, um, okay, I talked about the elect in Christ. We are the elect, and we need to elect to know God in order to operate and treat people in the way that they need to be treated. In, in 16, when it talks about um, our new covenant, which when it talks about the word of Christ to dwell in us richly in all wisdom, Paul is talking about our new covenant. This, and, and to them, he had to talk about it because they were under the old covenant until Jesus, the Messiah, came, and now they're in this new covenant. And in this new covenant now, 
uh, you have privileges and benefits that they didn't have in the old because everything in the old was predicated on them being able to obey all the Ten Commandments. Most of them you don't even understand, least long, can obey them because one commandment has so much wealth of information in it by itself. But because of the new covenant, which means because Jesus came and made the sacrifice on behalf of our sin and then he loved us out of all of that, then with this new covenant, we can quickly, as soon as we sin against the commands of God, confess them to God, and he will readily, quickly forgive us of all of our sins and then re-cleanse us. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And so that was, that's the deal with the, with, with, with the new covenant, which is uh, we should also be operating in the newness of that. And when it talks about it in 17, that whatever you do in word and deed, do it in the name of Jesus. So that means obedience and proper behavior causes one newness to shine and shows a newness that only the spirit of God can perfect in a person. Okay, I'm going to say that, say, say that again. Okay, obedience and proper behavior causes one newness to shine. That means the, the newness that you got in Jesus and shows a newness that only the spirit of God can perfect in you. Amen. Now, okay, getting down to uh, verse 18. Now, I'm going to start back reading the scripture. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands must function in the, in the sphere of the Lord for a wife to submit as it is fit in the Lord. Okay, just the logic of that. How can a woman's a wife submit to a husband as unto the Lord, but he is not as the Lord? We love God because he first loved us. Not because of anything else. If he hadn't loved us, we couldn't love him. Are y'all getting this? <laughs> Because we, we use things and, and don't have the proper understanding of it. And, well, you know what the Bible said? He's wrong as two left shoes. If there's a precept there, there's not a command as much as a precept is there. The precept is a godly man will warrant the uh, submission of, of a godly wife. And if the man is godly doing what he's supposed to and you uh, as a godly wife is not submitting, now you're in trouble. Now you're in trouble, okay? We, we, and, and we have to also remember dark and light cannot mix. One is going to cover the other. Now, are you going to have the wrong understanding of this and let dark cover you? Or are you going to let your light so shine? It's going to draw him to Christ. Amen? Okay, then it says, husbands, Love your wives and be not bitter against them. Husbands, love your wife with the same love you love for the Lord. If you're operating out of the same love that you have for the Lord, bitterness won't be the rule. And when you are bitter towards another human being, but especially towards a female, you can expect a return. And the way God created man and woman, he created the woman as the receptacle 
and the man is the giver. The man goes in, the woman receives, and she can only return and produce what you put in. And when goodness is going in, goodness is to escalates. But when evil is going in, it gets worse. Are y'all with me? Okay. Then in 20 says, children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. According to scripture, however, when children are taught to know and obey God, they will obey parents. See, we want them to obey us, but, but, but they don't know nothing about the Lord. And you're not saying anything about the Lord. You can't love right until you have loved the Lord. So this is why you have to teach them, first of all, to love the Lord more than they love you. To obey the Lord. Because then the rest is history. So God comes first in everyone's life. And these other relationships, we, we, we are made by God to be stewards over. These other relational relationships are God's to be from God to be stewards over. And let me tell you, they're for basic training. And they're only for here on earth. So don't get it twisted and put them so high that you miss heaven. Because these relationships goes away after this earth thing. And when we all get to heaven, we will know each other as believers, not as relations. Okay? And he made us to be stewards over these relationships here on earth. And how we manage these and steward over these things is what we're going to be judged on. Because we have to answer to God how we were, whatever your relationship is, uh, a parent, a mother, a sister, brother, aunt, uncle, grandparent, whatever. You will have to answer to God, how did you do that? Because did you declare who I am in there to them? He's not going to be asking you uh, uh, about, did you send them to good school? Did you protect them? Uh, uh, did you feed them? He's want to know, do they know me? Did you tell them? Did you live before them in such a way that they wanted to know? Amen. 21 says, Father, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Why? Because fear paralyzes. It paralyzes good activity and kills service. So children should be properly nurtured with love and praise. They should not be verbally or physically abused and emotionally stifled. But on the other hand, they should not be crippled with an overprotection due to fear. That's your fear. That will not allow them to grow in the character God intended them to be in the first place. Because remember, you are not their creator just because they were physically birthed from your loins. So you do not have a clue what they really need. And they need to be saved. And since you, you don't have a clue, you don't know what's going to make them sound safe and or successful. We must inquire from the Lord how to properly raise our children 
that would be pleasing unto him. Amen. Amen. Verse 22 says, Servants, obey all in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men, as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. Oh, this is so good. It means, when it says singleness of heart, it means in sincerity. Okay? So, as a believer, you do not treat your employer or anyone who's in charge of your service any less honorable because they aren't saved or, or say things behind their backs. You think because you're saved and they're not, you got more rights. You have a right and a responsibility to represent Jesus Christ. And if you do anything less, I don't care how terrible that employer is, you are going to be judged for that behavior. Okay? We, should be, we shall be judged for our thoughts and actions. The justification isn't about you. You know how well. They mistreat me and they did this. That, that's not your justification. You give that to the Lord. Amen. He says, vengeance is mine. So because of what they've done, you don't have the right to retaliate and act contrary to who you say you are. It is not about you. And you have to remember that you belong to Jesus Christ. And therefore, your actions should be, should be uh, and your behavior should be blessing him and not cursing him. And that only, that just doesn't work in the uh, work environment, but it also works in the constitution uh, of, of, of the church. Because you have an issue with the person that's over you, you don't get the right to do your own thing. If the person is in the wrong, I'm talking about a Christian person now, I'm not talking about your employers, because if that person is in the wrong, God is going to deal with that. He chastens those whom he loves. And if you know that, then you would know how to pray. Like, Lord, I choose to forgive them, convict them of the wrong, to bring peace and unity back into the relationship. Again, we have to get beyond our own flesh because it's all about our rights. And you don't have any rights. They were given up when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You've been bought with a price. He owns you by his blood. He expects for you to act according to how he is, not according to how your flesh was, which is part of the God of this world. His name is Satan. When Adam and Eve gave it over to them, when Jesus came, he didn't turn it back to his original plan. He just, he turns us, when we accept him to his original plan, it's up to us to turn this earth. I'm, I'm, I'm going to close with a prayer of salvation and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. So, we, we must realize who we are in Christ so we can walk in his way 
and not in what we're familiar with, accustomed to, or not what the world is dictating. And so in order to do that, we have to make a confession with our mouth that we truly believe in our hearts. So I just want you to repeat after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in a sinful state. I confess that I am a sinner. I want to be saved. I want to walk in the newness of Christ. So I give you my life. I give you my thoughts to change me, cleanse me, and free me. I accept the work of the cross. I receive the knowledge of the work that Jesus did when he bled on that cross. So Father, I thank you for the gift of salvation. Now I ask, Father, for the next best gift. And that is the infilling of your Holy Spirit. Your Spirit will guide me, lead me, teach me, comfort me, and enable me to walk this Christian life. So I thank you, Father, for the gift of your Holy Spirit that's in me, and I will walk in it and use him all the days of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Um, I'm going to do the, I think, do, do the benediction. Let me look at my, my things here. Yeah, I'll do the benediction. <laughs> and then after that, um, it will be open for questions and answers. Father, we bless your holy name. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, there's no God like the God that we serve. The only living, true God. And because of you, we can come out of our closed places. We can overcome the cares of this world and the strongholds that's trying to hold us in bondage. And it can't because we belong to you. They're operating illegally. And we can cast those restraints off and will our will to come in line with your will for our lives. And we, for that, we thank you. We are grateful. And we just want to glorify your presence, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you for, for saving your children, opening up their eyes to see clearer than they've ever seen before so they can walk upright in your sight, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So I speak a, a blessing upon them, The traveling mercies will be with them as they go forth, and that the spirit of evangelism will come upon them so when they leave here, they can go and tell somebody else about Jesus Christ and his goodness. And I thank you, Father, that great success is upon them, and because the victor lives in them, they have the victory. 
In Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen. Praise the Lord.